Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling-Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential and welcome back, Eric Anderson, Editor-in-Chief of Awards Watch. It's been so long. How are you? I'm doing okay. It does feel like it's been forever. I'm really, really glad to be back and talking with you. You had so many exciting things happen on the show. You guys have started a new podcast at Awards Watch that I urge everyone to listen to. And then you've also had the Rona. yes it finally caught up to me and and i you know the last two and a half years have been like hey i'm i'm good i don't have it this is awesome as everybody around me you know that i know did and then and then she got me (laughs) she got you and are you okay i know that you're a bit you still have a bit of a cough but yes no it's it's a it's a lot better it's you know, you you just don't know really what to expect. I hadn't been sick in any way at all for two and a half years. Not a cold, not even, not anything. So it kind of was was like two and a half years worth of sick all, all happening in, in the space of about two weeks. At least it was right after the Oscars, right? You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. I was terrified all the way from September through March of like, I'm going to, you know, test positive and not be able to go to events or be at work, you know, an yeah. event or somewhere and then have to be quarantined for 10 days. I mean, oh my gosh, I'm very lucky. We have so much to talk about today. I'm so glad that you're back on. Award season is back because Cannes is starting next week. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about that. But first, we have... Doctor Strange, the kind of unexpected indie hit, everything, everywhere, all at once. We have incredible buzz for Top Gun Maverick. James Cameron's trailer for Avatar is breaking all these viewing records. Eric, are movies back? It certainly seems like they are. I mean, I think the the numbers for Doctor Strange that came in were pretty darn good. Really, really good. But it's, it was also the first big, I'm putting big in quotes, uh, movie of the summer. So I think sometimes there's a great benefit to that of being early. And summer movies, as we know them, keep getting earlier and earlier. 
you know it's not actually summer anymore it's march and april that we get summer movies but winterish <laughs> yeah and and we did have the batman as that movie and that did extremely well too and then yes the indie success of everything everywhere all at once is really kind of taking everybody by storm and the conversation around it i wish there was a little bit less comparison you know of things like that movie and doctor strange as it's it, it's happening in such a weird way in an unnecessary way so everything uh, everywhere all at once has a 30 million dollar budget i'm sure that doctor strange is what 10 times <laughs> sure but then you have you have like like jamie lee curtis and i love her but she's been kind of going on and on uh comparing the two and and like saying Dr. Strange craft budget is was more than the budget uh, of everywhere all at once. And it's just, why, why, why do that? You can celebrate the thing that you like and that you're a part of without having to denigrate something else. And that's just kind of like, that's sort of what we see on, on Twitter and in film Twitter every single day anyway. I, I just wish there was less of it because you can celebrate both things or you can just celebrate one thing. You don't have to make it a that kind of contest. There is so much to be happy about with everything everywhere all at once and what it means for Michelle Yeoh and Kiu Kwan. Uh, that's that's the narrative right there. Kick-ass women in their 60s. That's, that's the story right there. Asian-American stories yeah. in general yeah there's so much to celebrate about that one yeah i think people grabbed on to the multiverse element of both films so intently that they just kind of can't let go and you know but to your point yeah to a large extent movies are back and it's it's hard to to really evaluate still because we're not out of the pandemic, we are still in it. Uh, I think we just need to recalibrate how we how we talk about the pandemic because it's going to be with us probably forever mm -hmm. in some form or the other. I think we do need to just kind of recalibrate how we think about it. And everyone is raving about Top Gun. That's gonna be the big hit, right? You know, it was funny. That was the only film at CinemaCon that they showed in its entirety, which was a pretty gutsy thing to do. But clearly Paramount felt they had something. And those initial responses are surprisingly meeting up with the actual review. Sometimes you get those- The first kick. Early buzz yeah. responses. And they're so hyperbolic and so excitable that you kind of have to- go into it with a little bit of measured expectation but yeah the the reviews came in and they were extraordinary what do we have here yeah here i thought we were special fellas this here's Bagman. hangman oh, whatever what the hell kind of mission is this <laughs> Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. 
you are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. But someone wrote, I, th I think it was an IndieWire, they said that the fact that Top Gun Maverick is, is so great is one thing, but it's also sort of a symbol of Tom Cruise vision of movies in general, how he's waited with this one and with Mission Impossible, saying that I'm waiting, I want them in theaters. Tom Cruise is one of the most interesting examples of, of, a, of a star, of a movie star and one that's lasted this long. Because, I mean, domestic wise, his box office totals, I mean, I don't want to say they're bad they're not bad but they're not like 400 500 600 million dollar movies i think his max like domestic movie was like two 240 or 250 which you know in this era seems pretty small but it's his consistency that has kind of kept him uh, afloat since the 80s and obviously his international appeal as well i am i'm really excited not so much for the movie but for how, how a sequel after this much time is going to fare. 36 it years. <laughs> it doesn't always work out, you know? 90s nostalgia is pretty strong right now, 2000s is. I don't know about 80s nostalgia <laughs> right now. We might be past that. But it will be a testament to cruise and cruise alone. And to dads everywhere. You know, yeah. <laughs> Although I think this will probably be a less jingoistic movie than the 80s version. I mean, the, the action movies we, we got in the 80s were so completely entrenched in the Cold War. Reagan era, rah-rah. And Reagan era. I mean, yeah, you, you, extreme rah-rah. <laughs> so I, I'll be really curious to see that and yeah i mean just the just the actual box office and audience response to the movie it could be his biggest hit this friday your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in disney pixar's inside out 2 it's time to greet your team riley it's anger let me at him fear safety checklist is complete disgust ew ew <gasps> sadness is in the house oh no hello I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Well, that's a good segue because that's coming to Cannes. It seems like it's already going to be have been everywhere by the time it gets there, but but it's going it's one of the big things. And so, we have Cannes coming this year. It seems to be back to normal pretty much. I haven't read much about any sort of COVID restrictions and everything is in person. In terms of the festival in general, um, the feeling, the juries, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, not a whole lot yet. I think people are really excited by the lineup, uh, at least the, you know, the, the main in competition lineup. And I think it's going to be extremely competitive when we get to the awards on the 28th, because we have so many returning Palm winners and directors that have won other top awards. So it's going to be incredibly 
competitive, which I, I think is always exciting. I love a, a, a competitive year, no matter what. And what about the juries? The biggest conversation that happened around the jury was the fact that Oscar Ferrari was supposed to be the president. Then he had the plagiarism controversy that happened to him. And even though he was not found wrong, the impact was clearly pretty strong and the timing just was not right mm -hmm. because ultimately Vincent Linden from Titan was chosen as the president and Farhadi is a member. jury member, which honestly really surprised me that he would do that. I would, I would feel pretty, You mean get pumped like that? Yeah. To be demoted and then essentially acquitted. I would feel kind of upset yeah, well. <laughs> about that. Um, but I think it's great that Vincent Linden is the, the head. I mean, we so often have directors as the presidents of the jury. It's not always actors and who are some the, of the other names rebecca hall actress and and director nomi rapace joaquin trier worst person in the world Lots of uh, lodge lee jeff nichols it's it's a really cool jury the, that's the operative word it's very cool i think that's we're gonna see that reflected in the choices of movies well you know that's the thing people people try and predict generally more what they think the president of the jury is going to lean to because you don't you never know how the deliberations are going to go if you have a jury president that's very very strong and has a forceful voice or if it is a more democratic jury and everybody kind of has a a, a single vote essentially you just you don't know like when Tim Burton was president of the jury and Uncle Boomy won mm -hmm. it was like <laughs> of course Uncle Boomy won yeah. it's 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 totally a Tim Burton kind of movie. It makes perfect sense. And then you have Steven Spielberg and Blue is the Warmest Color winning. And you're like, really? Where's where's the connection? That's actually one of the great things about it. I love when you it's completely subverted and and you don't know until all is said and done. Okay, let's get into the movies. What are some of the things that you're really I'm looking forward to and we're surprised. I don't know if there were a lot of surprises exactly, except for Claire Denis, mm -hmm. who has never had a good history with Khan. They have never been very kind to her. Being here is fantastic. Kelly Reichardt, also here in competition, is tremendous. I almost would have expected her to be in like the director's Fortnite instead. So I'm thrilled that she's with here. Michelle Williams starring. Yes. Mm -hmm. Boy, is she going to have a year. Oh my. I'm also gosh. predicting a big Michelle Williams year. Yeah. And, and she's, she's also pregnant, in Spielberg's so. The Fablemans as oh, yeah. his mother. She's having a baby. She does incredible interviews. It's going to be sort of the Kristen Stewart of the year, I think. I think it's going to be more like the Natalie Portman. But we'll we'll see. I mean, it's <laughs> it is early, but yeah, it's. I think Michelle Williams is going to have a good year. Um, I think the thing, what the things that people are the most excited about, and what I'm most excited about, is Park Chan Wook's decision to leave. That was my early prediction on. I think it was the first podcast of the of the new podcast that we did as a early Palm winner prediction. I feel like it's almost been a long time coming, kind of really. 
And a lot of us had decision to leave in last year's predictions as a potential awards contender. And I do think, I'm not sure about, I think it's movie that has it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll have to see how that plays out. But we just saw Drive My Car have a distributor with zero awards campaigning experience, zero, 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 able to And that went pretty well. (laughs) That did pretty darn well. It flourished. Between that and, you know, everything that happened with Coda, you know, I'm I'm gonna be attaching less, well, not sure about this kind of thinking, especially at this stage. Mm -hmm. And we have seen so many movies come from Khan go all the way, whether it is, you know, international feature film or other things. So just Anything that wins a prize uh, this year better be on your radar. And I'm very much looking for the Corriera with Broker. Um, Absolutely. Shoplifters was and is one of my favorite films of last year. Mine too. Decade. Absolutely incredible. And that's what I mean. We have got The names such, here are just... Oh my God. David Cronenberg, James Gray, Ruben Oslin, the Dardens again. Um, there are just, yeah, these are just names, names, names. This is going to be one of the most competitive, I think, in a long time. And the movie seems so different. I mean, you have James Gray's Armageddon Time, which seems to be a very personal sort of Roma-esque type movie. And then these other ones that are just everything yeah, that we see. And that's... Cr- Cronenberg trailer was, uh, that was a trip. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, I think everybody is always going to be excited about a new Cronenberg movie, but I will say this. <laughs> I wish directors would hold back on saying things like, yes, there's going to be walkouts. People are going to be so <laughs> grossed about the movie. Just let let it happen if it's going to happen. You don't need to gild that lily because if it doesn't happen, then you look like a weird braggart. I was just thinking about that, Eric, because one of the movies that's not coming to Cannes, but that you and I have talked about several times, Blonde, Andrew Dominic's movie, he was also just out saying, people are going to hate it, and Bob was like, don't. I was thinking, wait, let us us have that opinion on our own. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We had that and the Cronenberg comments happen within a week of each other, and I'm just like, come on, guys. That might be the case, but it, it feels like just kind of the wrong kind of pre-campaigning. <laughs> it, I don't know. It just feels there's there's a touch of arrogance to it that I don't like. And Ruben Östlund is back. This with Woody Harrelson in the lead. That is definitely one of the most anticipated. I think the Serebrennikov uh, as well. I mean, they're just. <laughs> I don't think almost anything from this list is not going to stir a whole lot of emotion there's there's a lot here if i put you on the spot before we move on what do you think will be taking the prizes from in competition today like i said i'm sticking with decision to leave as the palm winner i think either director could go to kelly reichardt or Claire Which was park Chan Wook, yes yeah for park Chan Wook, or michelle williams for best actress <laughs> and again sight unseen on all these yeah. This is just, you know, hoping, looking, throwing out there. I wonder if Lucas, I don't want to mispronounce, Lucas Don't, 
with Close, who was there a few years ago with Girl, if he doesn't sort of become this like young gay con celeb the way that Xavier Dolan uh, became and kind of starts appearing all the time and winning something all the time. So like, you know, screenplay going to him would would track for me if that's the case. Again, it's going to be weird when you have all these previous Palm winners, only one of them is going to win. And then I think everything else is going to kind of look strange. You know, even if it's the Grand Jury Prize, uh, it's going to look strange if you have won one or two Palms already, like like the Dardenne brothers. If they don't win the Palm, it's going to feel, I don't know, like an underachievement. What happened? <laughs> this lineup of directors. Yeah. I want to mention a few other names that aren't, aren't in competition that I want to mention. For example, I was surprised to see Riley Keogh's name, her directorial debut, War Pony. I didn't even know that she was directing. Uh, it's kind of great because you have her directorial debut and then you have the Elvis biopic out of out of competition. That's kind of cool. She is Elvis' granddaughter, right? Yes. No, or great-granddaughter or granddaughter? Uh, granddaughter. Yes, granddaughter, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think. I had I know, to think. Right? It's Priscilla and then you have... Her daughter, Lisa Marie, and she's Lisa Marie. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Michael Jackson, Lisa Marie. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And talking about the Elvis movie, Priscilla was raving about it, which must be incredible for Baz Luhrmann and the whole. I mean, biopics today, uh, you get someone with a bad attitude about it and and it's not a good start and this is the both the key person to have backing up your picture there are some who'd make me out to be the villain of this here story Just don't let a good thing die Are you born with destiny? Or does it just come knocking at your door? There's a young singer from Memphis, Tennessee. Give him a warm hayride welcome. Mr. Elvis Presley. It is. Biopics like this are always really interesting, though, when it is about somebody with, you know, massive claim or notoriety. And it depends on where the the rights to the music and things like that are. If they're owned by an estate, then they have an enormous amount of creative control about how the story is told. And that can, you know, that can look like (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's pretty one-sided in terms of what the storytelling is. And, you know, it's obviously if somebody is deceased and the estate does control that, you that's how it's going to go. Uh, we've got like the Whitney Houston biopic coming out at, at the end of the year, totally given the green light by the estate. But that those are those kind of things are very heavily colored by the impression that they want to reveal about that person. So I, I hope it's great. I love Boss Lerman so much. 
and I haven't disliked anything that he's done. Me too. I'm a huge Baz. I think it's it's a matter of taste in in terms of if you love Baz Luhrmann has also always gone straight to my heart, but it is an almost three hour long. What I've understood very unusual biopic. So I think it it could be it could divide. We'll see. And if the premiere is anything like the Great Gatsby premiere in 2013, it's going to be really big. <laughs> that was so much fun. My goodness. I don't know how much money Warner Brothers has right now for that kind of thing, but they could Less. really go all out. What they yeah, a little <laughs> But talking about an estate, another movie I can't wait for, which is a, a documentary, but that's Brett Morgan's Moonage Daydream about David Bowie, where that estate has given apparently a whole bunch of things we haven't seen. And I'm just hearing incredible things about this, which is also premiering in the midnight screening section. I mean, I'm really excited for that too. Maybe, hopefully, this might be closer to the future of how we see biopics done which are not really biopics you know obviously the the public at large isn't going to gravitate to an, an experimental documentary style of somebody that they love and music that they love they want a jukebox musical pretty much and and that's that but for the rest of us <laughs> you know we can have something like this which is more cerebral but we still get to completely enjoy the music at the same time without feeling like we're hitting these beats of every single musical biopic that's ever been written. He was born, then he had the mean parents, and then this thing happened, and then the little brother died, and then this and thing here, that here's, <laughs> And here's his original band, but had to leave. And every story is exactly the same. It's all the same. And it's it's presented the same too. There's so little nuance and excitement with how these kind of biopics are presented so uh i mean honestly that's one of the reasons why i think Boz Lerman doing this could inject that kind of craziness and wackiness and excitement and over editing and all of that oh, the I editing of that clip yeah <laughs> that first clip it's so funny i loved watching the responses to twitter that were just like this looks terrible. What is this? I'm like, have you ever seen a Boz Lerman movie? Apparently that's a, not. That's the, there it is right there. That's it. It's, it's kind of perfect. No, I've been saying this for a while. I mean, even with a film like Spencer or, you know, Blonde, which I'm looking forward to, what's interesting now is that more and more directors are getting and writers are getting funding for actually doing their own take on a celebrity. Yeah, it's certainly become more, you know, streamer-friendly to, to get those kinds of projects. So as messy as Warner Brothers has been the last few years, I, I think it's commendable and absolutely audacious that they've stuck with Boz Lerman and, you know, gave him however much they gave him to do this movie because there's no way it's not a massive, massive budget. I mean, it's probably like $200 million. And then we have another documentary about another slave. That's the Jerry Lee Lewis Trouble in Mind documentary, which is Ethan Cohen. So not Joel this year. What's going on with Ethan and Joel splitting up like this? Do you have any insight as to? <laughs> I wish I did. I might actually be able to get some. Oh, good. And You'll if tell I do, me. I, I, yeah, I will. But yeah, it is really kind of talk about, you know, breaking up from the band. 
This is really interesting. And I think people kind of, you know, want to gravitate to some type of strife, but I don't think there is any. Which is probably not. I mean, they probably just have different interests at the moment, but there's like, what? No. <laughs> you you want the, the dream of them together. <laughs> well, it's just funny that it's taken all of this time for them to kind of separate and make their own thing. I mean, it's been... 84 since blood simple and only now in 2021 and 2022 they're they're doing their own separate thing so i think people do kind of want to you know wonder and, and think something bad is happening in five ten years i want them to come together again and make the movie about that breakup or the metaphor about what exactly happened it has to be documentary style it has to yeah, be okay. Like Sparks Brothers kind of style or something. And someone else has to make it. I mean, they're so secretive anyway and private. So, I, you know, I, I don't even know if anybody will ever really get the truth as to why they're doing separate things and when they'll come back together. And I want to mention George Miller. Um, what do you know about his, what section is that? It's just out of competition. I don't know. I'm really kind of upset <laughs> that that it's out of competition. It's getting like an August 31st release date. No, I don't feel good. Do you mean that you have a feeling that it's not good? Maybe or, or that they don't have faith in it. I don't know. It's I'm... called 3,000 Years of Longing. Who's in it? Well, I mean, Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba with like elf ears and obviously this is not, you know, a mainstream film. It is, it's supernatural. It's about a djinn who's like a genie. Uh, I don't know. I just. Or you have a weird feeling, a tingling. I guess it's just, I guess it's just a weird feeling. And it's, it's MGM who is now owned by Amazon. And I think. I think after last season, because MGM, who's really most famous for the James Bond series, had been very quiet in terms of its releases and certainly was not an awards player for decades, really. And then suddenly burst last season with House of Gucci and Cyrano and Licorice Pizza, all of these movies that had a whole lot of Oscar potential, only some really kind of panned out. And I wonder, and they have a lot of films again this year. They have mm -hmm. like five or six or seven films this year. There might be a pullback on, on how they prioritize. We still don't know what type of impact Amazon will have on those releases, but I don't know. An out of competition slot and an August 31st release means it has no other festival presence and it feels just going to be like it's it's a quiet dump and that doesn't necessarily reflect on the quality of the film i think it's just how mgm is going to be able to manage its fall they don't have faith in it they're not putting it front and center it doesn't seem like it but then again you know they kind of crammed everything that they could uh at the end of last year with with how they rolled out their movies and really botched the Cyrano rollout in the worst way possible. Yeah. And then House of Gucci flopped with the Oscars too. Licorice Pizza was the only thing to really survive. So I think they might be licking their wounds and really having to recalibrate. 
So since it's your big Palm Door prediction, let's talk a bit more about Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. It's a detective story. The detective falls in love with a widowed prime suspect of his latest murder investigation. That sounds good. <laughs> it does. It sounds, you know, it's a pretty traditional, cool story that we have seen many, many, many times all the way back to film noir. I mean, this, this is a film noir staple of a storyline, but it's Park Chan-wook, so. In his hands. <laughs> <laughs> So I think we're going to see some really exciting things. I'm excited for the performances, Tang Wei and Park Hale. I want to see them be really in the conversation come later, you know, in award season. Mm -hmm. I want this to be the kickoff. So I'm just, I'm super excited. Those were some of the ones that I had on my. Do you have anything you want to bring up? I mean, in the in the other sections, director's Fortnite, the new Me Hanson Love, One Fine Morning, the new Alex Garland with Jesse Buckley, uh, which is coming out pretty soon. That's the one called Men, right? And that's Men already has reviews out uh, that are pretty good. Critics Week. Looks fine. We've got the When You Finish Saving the World from Jesse Eisenberg, which is at Sundance. Pretty good. I didn't like it. <laughs> I thought it was okay. Julianne Moore, obviously perfect because she's well, always flawless. She's always flawless, but it was just a pretentious... You have to go back and listen to my show with Ryan and you'll see my, my kind yes. of vomit on that one. <laughs> yes, and I get it. I get it. I think what we're really going to be focusing on mostly are those in competition titles and the few that you know few that are out like 3000 years and, and Elvis because the names are just so huge they're just undeniable but i mean thankfully i've got a fantastic group headed to can this year i'm pronouncing it two different ways in this podcast and i apologize <laughs> um so we've got we have a lot of coverage and i'm really excited and it's um my god it's already next week yeah. less than a week you guys go to awardswatch.com for that coverage of uh, of the movies we've talked about and it's going to be really interesting to hear what they have to say so that you'll get all your news and reviews there and there's even that irma vep series with alicia vikander olivia Assayas, yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's going to be really interesting the response early on hasn't been great because people people are like why is this getting a remake when we have a perfect film what's mm -hmm. going on so I, I think that's going to, I think it's going to get a lot of attention, good or bad. Eric, thank you so much. It's so good to see you again. And um, this was just a good little countdown and I'll get you on the other side, maybe. Absolutely. And I can't wait to have you on the AW podcast as it continues to grow. I'm well, I'm ready when you guys want me. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Hey, hey there. there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover, Sleepover Cinema. Cinema. 
our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.